Hello and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste the Thing podcast. I'm Melissa and today I am here with Shonda Tompkins and Shonda is this amazing lady that I've just kind of watched from afar for a lot of years um, and I have always been so excited to hear her story. Uh, she and her husband are past, have been pastors uh, in churches on several different phases for several years right now. Uh, but they're, right now they travel and they speak and they do a lot of work in other countries sharing the gospel with people. And so they really have a heart for outreach. They really have a heart for other com- other countries. And today I want to introduce you to Shonda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Thank you for having me. I am so, so excited. Me too. I'm super <laughs> excited. Um, you probably don't know this, but I did... Um, I kind of did watch you from far off a long time ago. We um, attended the same church, and you were friends with our women's director here at, at my church. And and I just saw you, and I remember her talking about she used to have a running partner, and I had no idea it was you for a lot of years. And so that was kind of my first introduction to you. And then I just kind of watched your ministry off and on over the years. And so I am super happy to bring you on the show and let you share your heart. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you got started in ministry. Uh, you know, I wasn't raised in church at all, and so when I started dating David, his mom was the only Christian, really, that I knew, and so she was witnessing to us and just constantly telling us God loves us and things like that, and then his dad got really, really sick, and they told us there was no hope, so we went to the hospital, and uh, when we left there, David told me, he said, I feel like we really need to pray for my dad. But he had enough church background. Uh He said, I think we need to just really turn our lives over to the Lord so we can really stand in agreement for my dad. And that's how it happened. That's how I got saved. We went to the altar at the same time. Oh, Saved on the same night. And the rest is history. (laughs) So then fast forward from that three years later. So when we got saved, we served. I... Took care of babies in the nursery. God I bless the you. church. <laughs> I, take, I didn't know what else to do. I right. wasn't raised. I didn't know what, what a Christian does. Right. But I just was like, see a need, feel the need. Right. And we mowed the lawn, ran the sound and everything. And David's been a singer, praise and worship and all that. And he did that before he was saved. Uh-huh. Not worship, but, you know, in a, another venue. Right. And so when we got saved, he started doing that. And then in 1988... We felt a call of the Lord to just start going out and preaching at churches. And that's what we did. It was quite a whirlwind, actually, three years later to do that. So that's how Praise Ministries International was birthed. That's awesome. Um, So let's talk a little bit this morning about your relationship with God. Like, I have people who listen to my podcast that don't know anything about having a relationship with God. and, And having grown up without that for, you know, most of your young life, how would you share that uh, concept with people who maybe have never heard anything about God or a relationship with him, or what does that look like? Yeah, you know, for me, I think the most impactful thing, and this is what I would say to anyone that's trying to witness to someone or win someone to the Lord that has no church background at all, um, the biggest impact in my life was David's mom sharing the love of God and it was not in most of the time form of words. Right. It was Shonda, you're amazing. Shonda, you know, God has great things for you. What can I do to help you? I love you. You and and trust me, before I was saved, 
I've always taught, teased David and my two boys this, that if they would have ever brought a girl home that looked like I looked when David brought me home to his mom, I would have been like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but she was not like that. And she just loved me with this unconditional love that I had not felt because I have a long history in my childhood that is a whole nother sermon or whatever right. you want to call it. But I had never witnessed a love like that. Someone to genuinely love me regardless of what kind of clothes I had on or what I was wearing or not wearing or how I was acting or not acting. And it was the love, the genuine love that won me to the Lord. That's such a beautiful story. And I think, you know, I think it's interesting for people like me who grew up in a church uh, who understood, I, I grew up in a denominational church and I always laugh and called my church the shall not church. Like we knew what we shall not do. Uh, we weren't really excited about what we should do, but we, we knew all the rules and mm -hmm. we were rule followers. And if you weren't a rule follower, that was bad. And, and, and it's, it's hard for me sometimes because I can still find myself going back to that place where I don't speak love and I don't just embrace everybody for who they are because I'm like, what is that fine line between like sharing the gospel and the truth of the gospel and loving people? You know, it's just this crazy mess. And so I love that. I love that rendition of who God is and how he, how he impacted you and just drew you to himself. And so, um, as you guys have moved in ministry for a lot of years, what is really the heart of, of what God has called you to do? It, it kind of is a twofold because David and I in ministry together um, feel just a strong, strong desire in our heart. We love pastors, mm -hmm. everything about pastors, um, where they're at, what they go through, what all they deal with. Um, we just have a genuine heart for pastors. And then also to train and disciple. That That's our biggest deal, especially when we go overseas, because we're all about getting more into bringing pastors, future pastors, mm -hmm. and even leaders that might get into pastoring into one central location uh -huh. and then we train them and teach them through a Bible Institute that, that we've written, which was painstaking, but <laughs> it was so worth it. Yeah. And then we graduate them, ordain them, and then send them off into res their respective areas of whatever. And some of them get into places that David and I can't go. Right, for sure. You know, we've tried for years to get into northern Sudan, even southern Sudan, and they just won't let us. The government, our government, just will not let us. But when we can train, equip, ordain, send forth, pray over, and bless pastors to go back into Sudan, then they're reaching that whole country that we can't do. And that's really our heart is to train, disciple, and, and of course see people saved. But, right. you know, our bigger deal is discipling. That's wonderful. And I think that that's such a beautiful gift that you give the body of Christ. You know, I believe that we're all a unique party of the body that nobody else is. Mm -hmm. And what, and while and in our marriage ministry, Stephen and I really feel like that we're called to pastors as well, but totally from a different angle and a different perspective. And, and that's a good thing because when we put all of those, um, things together we get really we get a really healthy body right and when I'm not trying to do what you're trying you're called to do and Absolutely. you're not and other people aren't trying to do what I'm called to do we get a really healthy body and that's a really cool experience so share share one of your favorite experiences from teaching pastors maybe 
Uh, is there a story that you can tell or um, an experience that you you've know, had? Um, there is. There's so many, but there's one that's really sticking out to me right now. Is three or four years ago, I think it was in Uganda, Africa. We have a that's usually where we do our Bible Institute, and um, we're teaching, and they they teach you. I mean, out of energy, you're seven, eight hours a day teaching. And it was David and I and another young girl, pastor's daughter, that we brought with us. But David at that particular time was the one teaching, and he was up there, and he, he they tell him he preaches like an African. <laughs> it's just go all out. And so it's, it's being a wonderful word coming forth. God's really moving in the hearts of these pastors and things like that. And so then we stop and take a break. During the break, there was this young woman that had evidently she'd walked up the road and heard English preacher so she came into the church to see what was going on and she stood back there and she listened of course we had an interpreter after David quit preaching and we were at a break she sent a note to the pastor's wife and it said I was listening and I want to know this Jesus that that man was talking about oh that's so, so sweet the pastor called her over we all prayed with her led her to the Lord come to find out that she was a practicing witch doctor. And so she said, I want to come back tonight, and can I bring my things and burn them? And so after the service that night, we took her out back, and of course they, they do this often, I assume, because they knew exactly what to do, how to do it, and they put it in a pile and burned it, and while it was burning, all these people from the church were dancing and singing and rejoicing, and so then fast forward three years later, we go back and she comes up to David and she's this totally changed person. She'd been serving in the church. Her husband got saved. Her children started coming to church. And it's just this fantastic story of it was not one person. Right. It was the gospel. She heard the gospel, wanted what she was hearing, received, and then just seeing the transformation on her and her husband and it was it's just amazing stories like that all over the place that what god does absolutely so did you have children young children and stuff when you were doing ministry starting out what did that look like for your family yes we did um my youngest son was three months old actually when we started on the traveling ministry and back in the day back in the 80s i'm telling how old we are um, we it was real common then to buy a travel trailer or something and just travel around. So that's what we did. We sold everything except what we could fit in a little travel trailer, and we went full time. So my youngest was three months. My oldest was three years. Oh, wow. And it was difficult, but in the very beginning, what helped was David's mom and dad were retired. Uh-huh. And she was just ecstatical um, that we were doing ministry. And they had a travel trailer, and they traveled a lot with us. So she would help me with the kids when we were being service. Oh, that's it, awesome. Oh, it's what such a blessing. a blessing. Oh, my. I don't know how. I mean, I know God would have made a way, but it would have been a lot harder without sure. them. Sure. So. Did, you, did they travel with you mm-hmm. as a family? They did, yes. Can we talk a little bit about what it's like to be a family in ministry? Yeah. Um, wow. That's, <laughs> that's a hard one because I think more of the pressure is on the children for sure I really do um uh I have a real draw to pastor's kids 
um, uh, they they draw to me, I draw to them, and I think the reason why is because I've noticed how hard ministry is on them because we see this, and this is what I've noticed um, in ministry and working with pastors and then seeing their children and family. As their children grow up, they either one run one or two ways. They either run completely, totally towards ministry and all the things of God, or for a while they run completely the opposite way because of things they've seen, things they've heard and experienced that they've witnessed being done to their parents, basically. Yeah. Um, and so it's mainly hard on the children, I think. Of course, ministry's not easy. Right. They taught David at Bible college how you spell ministry is W-O-R-K. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, so, so ministry's not easy, but I think for the family, the more of the impact is if you're pastoring or in ministry, be, be careful to guard your children and your family and keep that um, central Keep that as the main thing mm -hmm. um, to pour into your children and keep them first. And I know it's hard because as pastors and you have someone call and say, you know, my husband's in the hospital and he's on life support and you're in a family gathering or something, it's hard to say, okay, we'll be there, but we need to wait another half hour or so before we get there. And so it's a balance thing. It is a balance thing. Um, and, and I think it is difficult for, for kids of uh, so uh, pastor's kids, it's just a hard road. And, it, and I think it's for any kid in ministry, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of whether you pastor a church or whether you travel Absolutely. and speak or whatever. You know, if you're a missionary, any of those aspects of ministry are always hard on children. And, and I don't think they get a lot of grace from, um, and I think two things happen. I think one, either parent, pa ministry parents uh, are, in, you know, they take so personally their child's, uh, reputation is is reflective of their own reputation. Were you a good parent? Did you get your kid to love Jesus? You know, whatever. And I think so. We push put a lot of pressure on them to be exactly who we think they should be, so that we feel better about us. Or, um, you know, that this is the total opposite. And so it's really it is really kind of a two edged sword. It's hard for the parents. It's hard for the kids. Um, if you if you wanted to speak to um, maybe a woman who said, you know what, I really have, a, I feel like God is calling me to do something in ministry, and um, and I don't know what to do next. What would you say to that? What would you say to that lady? I would say, if you don't yet know what to do, but you feel something is coming, then hook up with a local church, start serving there, and keep doing what you're doing as in serving mm -hmm. until you figure it out. That's, I mean, sometimes we think because we don't know the whole big picture and what the exact calling and the exact direction we're supposed to go with God is, that we just stop and wait and, and we wait until we completely get that picture. But I have found for myself it was better for me to continue to serve to do what the local church needed to hook up with that, whether it be vacuuming the floor or rocking the babies or greeting people at the door or whatever, because you can never go wrong continuing to serve. And then as you serve, usually is when the Lord speaks to you about moving into a different direction. And don't get discouraged that it might take a while. I mean, David and I, he had a vision of preaching in Africa in 1988 and the first time we went to Africa was 1996 and so sometimes in our American time frame or even human time clock 
we think because it hasn't happened in the next six months or a year that maybe we missed it or it's not going to happen. But I say just be patient. Keep serving. Do it with joy. Um, and God will God will speak to you. He'll move. He'll do it. What do you think it means to be a true disciple of Christ? Oh, wow. Um, I think if you asked me, I would think for me, being a true disciple of Christ is showing the love of God everywhere I go, every person I come in contact with, um, loving my enemies, which, oh gosh, is so hard sometimes. You know, Mm -hmm. those who Mm -hmm. aren't nice to you. Um, And then, you know, I had a missionary friend one time tell me we were walking down the street and he said, um, and I can't remember, maybe we were in Africa, just thousands of people, you know, they walk everywhere there. And he said, Shonda, look over there, what do you see? And I said, the dirt on the ground? No, no, no. What do you see? The dirty vehicles? No. What do you see? And I said, I don't know what you're wanting from me. And he said, do you see people or do you see souls? He said, every one of those people are a child of God and they deserve the love of God to be poured into their life. And it changed my thinking because whether I'm in Walmart or Target or Starbucks or anywhere, when you look at someone, you never know what they're going through. And to me, being a true disciple is to say, all right, I'm going to have compassion for them. Um, I'm going to be open to the Holy Spirit if he gives me opportunity or speaks to me to to say something or do something. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I That's, to me, is being a disciple, is showing the love of God to every human being um, because they deserve it. I mean, we're his children. We are. <laughs> we are. And, so, and, it, and it's so beautiful. And, and I think it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, right? That's what the Word says. And so I think it's important that when we... For for people like me who grew up in in you know more legalistic churches, it was it's a hard, it was a hard transfer to show the goodness of God because what we understood were the rules of God, and and I think it's it's and it, I, honestly it's still a battle I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I like I have to really stay on my guard all the time, or I can line you out because yes. that's sort of my personality anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it it is not the best representation of the Father mm-hmm. to people. So I love that about you, and I love mm-hmm. that that's your heart to really just love people well mm-hmm. love it's what impacted me sure it's what it is the goodness of God it was the love of God that I saw in David's mom that brought me to the Lord and so many times I am beyond thankful now right that I wasn't raised in church uh-huh. because I had no retraining or rethinking or anything like that that needed to be done I was just this open empty canvas to go in and let God do whatever he wanted to do in my life. And I didn't have to retrain any of that. And I'm so thankful. <laughs> that is a good thing. It is. It is a very good thing. Yes. So, Well, I am super happy that you joined with me today and Thank shared you your for story. Having me. What a great idea. So I always like to wrap up my podcast just to get to know you a little better. So I do what I call my rapid fire questions, right? They're not deep and theological. They're just whatever okay. t- comes off the top of your okay, head. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know an answer, just if you don't have anything, just say I don't have anything okay. for that. All right. Um, what's a perfect date night for you? Oh, goodness. A perfect date night for me now that I'm at the age I'm at would be to put my pajamas on, sit on the couch, make homemade popcorn, and watch Netflix with my husband. (laughs) I like to go out. Don't get me wrong. I'm very adventurous, that kind of thing. But I really enjoy our 
alone time just being able to sit together and and veg out absolutely <laughs> um favorite kind of pie pecan pecan yeah all right you must be from around you must be it's from pecan, around not pecan yeah <laughs> pecan that's that's peas you find in a can yeah <laughs> that's so right that's super funny um what is one kitchen t- utensil you can't live without that would be my really sharp knife that I cut all my vegetables with. That's awesome. <laughs> Some people just, I just every once in a while want to say, the telephone. We're ordering in. <laughs> yes. Uber? Uber Eats? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, so, um, what's a go-to movie for you? Like, I watch it over and over and over. And Okay, this is so bizarre because this is not really normally my jam. Uh-huh. But um, I like I Am Legend with Will Smith. It's the weirdest thing. I'm not into zombies and all that, but I love that movie. That's awesome. <laughs> and in the movie of you, who plays the character of Shonda? Oh, my goodness. I've never even thought about that. Um, I don't know. Okay. That's one I'd have to really think about. <laughs> <laughs> That's much harder. Um, besides the Bible, best book you've ever read? That would be Beth Moore, Get Out of That Pit. All right. That is a really good book. Yeah, it helped change my life. So That's yeah. awesome. So I always end with this question, and it is, uh, it's my favorite question. It's, partly, it's really my favorite part of the whole podcast, and that's this. If you could say one thing and one thing only to make Jesus famous, what would you say? I would say that this is what made him famous for me, so I'll say this, that no matter what, no matter where you've been, no matter what decisions you've made, right or wrong, no matter how loved you feel or not feel, that he loves you, accepts you, and he's faithful to everything he said he was faithful to. That's awesome. Well, Shonda, thanks for joining me on the show today. I know that you, the listener, have enjoyed this time that we've spent together. And um, and I, it's just been such a treat. And so if you would like to connect with Shonda, maybe you want to have her come speak um, at your church or organization. Maybe you want to find out more about what they're doing at Praise Ministries. All of those, all of her information will be in the show notes. And you can reach out to her, follow her on social media, all the things. And we'll put all that in the show notes. So take a time and look at that. And uh, thanks for joining us today on the He Doesn't Waste the Thing podcast. This is that time when I ask for my trifecta of favors. First, um, if you haven't already, would you just subscribe to the podcast so that all of the latest episodes are in your feed? Uh, Second, would you take a few minutes and give us a five-star rating on iTunes? It really helps our podcast bubble to the top. And finally, and most importantly, would you share this podcast with your friends and invite them to come and meet Shonda Tompkins because it is awesome. And, um, And so just remember, until we meet again, he doesn't waste a thing.